<laughs> we'll talk about it after the yeah. show. Happy Monday, uh, everybody. How do I turn the music off? <laughs> <laughs> what is it, your first show? Wait, you had it on uh, on your phone? Yeah, that's why I was telling That's why I was te- No, no, no. <laughs> Sarcasm, Ellen. Sarcasm. Right. Uh, uh, that's why I was telling him, like, don't forget to connect your Bluetooth so you can play the, uh, the, the uh, music. But uh, happy Monday, everybody. Before we uh, start the show, let's just address that Edgar's not here. Well, um, let's let's should we wait till somebody asks it, was it damien or the meal the meal the meal asks before yeah. we Ed, edgar's still on vacation he'll be back with he's us he's commenting here though. yeah yeah he, he'll be yeah, back that's... live with us monday he's at where's he at yosemite now? yosemite yeah so uh hope edgar's having a great time with the family enjoy your time there and we'll see you obviously next monday uh that being said happy monday it's five o'clock somewhere and we have a very special guest with us a candidate for Los- Glendale. Let's say Los Angeles. Glendale City Council, Ellen Asaterian. Ellen, thank you so much for taking time out of your Monday to be with us. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, obviously, before we get into, you know, talks about Glendale, current events, and all that stuff, uh, we want to kind of uh, hear about you, your background, uh, how you got into, you know, politics and well, local politics and uh, the whole nine yards. So, where did it all begin? It really started at Toll Middle School. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, cool. I was. I don't know why, but I was carrying the Constitution around. Um, if you guys remember, um, those were very. Which core were you in? Uh, Blue Dolphins. Blue Dolphins. Blue Dolphins. Okay. <laughs> nice. I was, a gold, I was a Golden Eagle. I was a Pink Panther. <laughs> you were pi- Pink Panther. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember seventh grade. But anyways, yeah. I don't remember so seventh you grade. Carry, but I, I, you carried around the Constitution. So I don't know why I was doing it, but. Um, if you guys remember back then, our schools were very different, um, and there were a lot of discrimination issues in our schools towards the Armenian American community and Armenian students particularly. Um, and so, the first time I actually went to a school board meeting was when I was fifteen to complain about the discrimination issues and how Armenian students were being treated at the school. Um, I actually remember. I don't know if you know. Aram, um, April twenty fourth. I remember this day very clearly. Oh, yeah. I was I was in English class, uh, and Aram w- ended up wearing an Armenian flag necklace because of April twenty fourth. And uh, one of the deans had ripped off his necklace, saying that he wasn't allowed to wear that uh, around his neck. Be- if you remember, there were a lot of issues between Armenian and Latino students at the time. Right. Um, and so I don't know why somebody came and pulled me out of English class during Blue Dolphins time <laughs> uh, and said, hey, you know, they just took Aram in. They're going to suspend him because obviously Aram then responded to that negatively. And um, I walked in with my constitution saying he has his First Amendment right <laughs> to to wear that flag. And, and you were 13 at the time or I was, 14? Yeah. 13, yeah, 13 so 14 years, years old. old. So. Oh. Um, the first time I went to a city council meeting was when I was 16 uh, because there was a lady that would come to the city council meeting every Tuesday and tell Armenians to go back where they came from. Um, and I don't know why I was watching city council meetings, but I was. And my brother was 10 years younger, um, so making him six years old. Um, and when he, you know, he was in the room and he overheard that portion and he said, not such nice words about the woman. 
And I had to sit there and explain to him that not all people that are of that same background are the same. You can't, you know, um, group it together. And then decided on Tuesday I'm going to go to the city council meeting and ask our city council members to turn off the microphone when she speaks because it's, it was the same thing every Tuesday. Um, and So she was like a Karen. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, um, and so I went, and as you guys may know, city council members usually don't respond and take action on oral communication section. They might uh, say, hey, you know, we may take up this item later on a different date. But for some reason, the council members on that day decided that they're actually going to, like, do something about that. And they said, okay, we'll turn off the microphone. And my request was that so that hatred isn't spewed out to the rest of the community. Um and me actually highlighting, I know it's her First Amendment ride, yada, yada. Um, and um, sure enough, they they decided that they're going to turn off the microphone, and she didn't come back. Um, so that was, was her name, Margaret? John no, Margaret Hammond. Yeah. Uh, well, John was asking. I don't know who Margaret is. No, Ma- no. no. So Margaret Hammond was another um, another individual for years and years and years and years would show up to city council meetings every Tuesday. A lot of policy issues that she was proposing and pushing for were really anti-Armenian policies. One of them being, for example, this was one of her highlights. Um, If you guys remember, there was a time when Armenian banquet halls were able to grill the barbecue outside Mm -hmm. because it's part of our tradition. Yeah. So Margaret Hammond led the fight on the city council, and we didn't have the votes at the time, to force the banquet halls to um, move the the grill and force the banquet halls to build a, a grill inside. A kitchen, basically, indoor right, kitchen. Right, indoor, uh, indoor grill. Um, and so, and that actually passed. And we fought tooth and nail for that, but we didn't have the votes on the council. Um, so, but... Really, when I talk about politics, um, Rafi Manukian was running for city council in 1999, and I was the Armenian club president at the time. Um, Audrey Nazarian, who's a current assembly member, was his campaign manager back then. Um, Rafi's campaign? Rafi's campaign oh. manager, and he came to recruit students to volunteer for the campaign. I went, um, and that's where I actually met Artie Kasakian and a whole bunch of folks that are now involved yeah. uh, that was kind of our beginning yeah. Yeah. um we registered about four and a half thousand armenians to vote and forever changed the political landscape of the city four hundred thousand four and a half thousand oh i'm like oh jesus no <laughs> we didn't where the hell did you get 30 in <laughs> but it um so the the day after so for the first time uh the armenian american community was actually able to elect their representative onto the council yeah. with with our own votes, right? And so, the the day after elections, the Glendale News Press article actually, the headline was "The Sleeping Bear Has Woken," and it was referring to the Armenian American community. So, see, I, I don't remember any of this. Like, I mean, Levick, because Levick and I went to school together. I don't remember any type of discrimination. I remember there was conflict between the Hispanic students and Armenian students. I'm happy to but, kind of go over but, that. But, because I, that was but I don't remember the discrimination. That's what I, that's, that's that's what, that's do you what, remember it? I don't remember it either. I mean, I remember like in high school and in middle school, there was always, you know, that, call it a beef that, you know, the Armenians had against the Hispanics, Hispanics had against the Armenians. And and it was, for us, it was like a normal thing. Like it was so like, this, uh, wasn't, this wasn't about 
the conflict between Armenian and Latino students. This was about <coughs> the way that Armenian students, particularly, particularly <coughs> Armenian immigrant students who had language barriers and uh, students who didn't kind of assimilate enough into the system, right? So what you actually had is a lot of students that were being suspended and expelled at a much higher rate. The Armenian students were being expelled and suspended on a much higher rate than any other student group, and not because of our population. Um, so if you want, like, I'll, I'll take one step back, and then I'll, I'll actually talk yeah. about all those issues because it's beyond just GUSD. Um, I went on to work on many campaigns. That, that was like really the start of, you know, I think registering people to vote and interacting with people like from all walks of life because I was helping register and get out the vote. Uh, it kind of inspired me. Like I found my passion during that campaign. Um, went on to work on campaigns all the way to my time at UCLA. I went to UCLA. Um, worked through college on campaigns. Um, and then when I graduated... ANCA Glendale was looking for an executive director, and um, I took on that role for six and a half years. And the reason I'm saying, like, I, w I wanted to take a yeah. step back is um, for six and a half years, I actually, most of the policy issues that I worked on were directly impacting Glendale and specifically the Armenian American community. What was your background in, uh, in education as far as with UCLA? What did you, gra you graduate uh, with? Political science uh, okay. with uh, American politics and international relations. Oh, so you were, you were like... Not even like toes in the water. You were like so. I'll tell you this. I, I, you know, I, I've told this to interns and volunteers year after year. Don't, don't uh, study political science. You know, everything that I learned, I learned on the ground. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those majors for me that you know. You, I read the books at home. You know, and, but yeah. the classroom. It's like such, th such theory based uh, that. I, I feel like everything that I really learned, I, I learned on campaigns. I learned because I was volunteering for organizations. But you can whatnot. say that about almost any field except for maybe STEM. Most things, whatever. Most you, things. Even, yeah. even nursing yeah. school. I mean, most of these nurses, they get out of nursing school. They just learn how to put on a Band-Aid and a maybe. But my wife says it too. She goes, majority of the stuff that I've learned out of nursing school has been hands-on. Yeah, it's all, it's all hands-on. I mean, same with mine. I mean. I d my degrees in finance and management, but I mean, I could go back and probably teach my professors <laughs> more about so the finances and management. I'll tell you. Um, so I, my second was philosophy, right? And so okay. I didn't. Um, I fell in love with philosophy um, my second year in college, um, and I absolutely loved the the logic classes and the logic games and. Uh, I think that if you actually can understand and comprehend the writings of a philosopher, yeah. you know, your your skills in uh, comprehending just content, like it's a skill set that you learn, right? And it's also helpful if you're looking to go to law, yeah. uh, into law. So um, anyway, but, um, you know, during my ANC Glendale years, uh, that was for six and a half years, um, I worked on policy issues that were directly affecting... So. You know, one of, one of those things was the, you know, fighting against Margaret mm -hmm. Hammond's, you know, barbecue And that was through right? the ANCA that so, you fought so, this? Yes. So um, I established internship programs for youth uh, because I wanted our Armenian youth to be engaged. Um, uh, established things like the Path to College program, which was meant for um, immigrant parents uh, and students and how to navigate through the school system. 
um, you know, we had uh, issues in our police department at the time, like severe issues with within the Armenian community. I launched a police complaint hotline, and within a month and a half, we were able to identify the police officers that were an issue, and we set up a sensitivity training program for the for the Armenian community with with the department. Um, they were hiring Armenians, uh, but when you actually looked at the data, it was all like lower level uh, staff, right? And so um, some departments weren't hiring at all, including, for example, the police department. They were claiming Armenians don't apply to the department. And so we worked on recruitment practices, <coughs> and because the minute you change recruitment practices, you all of a sudden <laughs> get yeah. them. And that our, the Armenian community wasn't alone in that. The Korean community was also the case. So ra- when Rafi Manukian was actually on the city council, one of the things that they put into place was um, requiring for someone to speak Armenian or Korean um, for the for the one year hiring, like that they were going to do. And sure enough, um, there within that one year, there were 15 Armenian officers that were hired um, wow. who, ha- who, who, yeah. who who were as qualified and had. So yeah. it's, that know, issue so I remember because I knew a couple of guys who wanted to get into the right. force and they're like, I don't think it's possible. Right. And, and so, it, it, you know, it's important for the same applied for the fire department um, because the fire department is not only dealing with putting out fire, they're, they're actually dealing with paramedic issues most of the time, right? Yeah, you and show so up to an elderly person's house, they don't speak any English. Right. Someone's some having a heart attack by the time right. they take out the dictionary and stuff. And so... Um, you know, changing uh, practices, hiring practices, and actually working with the different departments. The planning department, um, you know, I think some years were better than others when Hassan was the director. Uh, again, this comes out to to the point of, like, community outreach uh, and, and how you conduct community outreach, which is something I'll talk to you guys about yeah. later because that's one of my <laughs> well, frustration points. But it, It's sad to uh, say, but Glenda was founded on a very... I mean, you can't hide it. It was a very racist city. Right. It was I a mean, sundown town. Yeah, it was a sundown town. Right. So you can't hide it. I mean, it's in the, in the history of it. You go to parks in La Crescenta. You go to parks in Glendale. You'll see, you know, photos that were taken there of clan members. KK, the KKK was around in Glendale. So, Their headquarters um, was on Colorado. Yeah, yeah, so uh, it, it sucks to say that obviously, you know, when they say the apple doesn't fall, fall far from the tree, it, it doesn't. You know, they had kids and eventually their kids had kids. And, you know, whatever you learn from home, that's going to kind of trickle into your life. And uh, it sucks to say that, yeah, there is still some, you know, discrimination against not, you know, against Armenians, against Koreans. Uh the Armenian community here is massive in Glendale. Right. It's massive. And uh, I'm, again, you could say I'm wrong. I don't, I don't care what you say, but we, as are the Armenians, had a v- very huge hand in building what Glendale is today. Well, wholeheartedly. Yeah, but, um, but, but, let's, let's, but let's look at it from a neutral standpoint, though. Imagine you're living in the city for, how, how old is Glendale? I don't know, like 140 years? Uh, well, I mean, one of the oldest houses in Glendale is like early, uh, late 1800s, okay. late, late 1800s. So, so imagine <coughs> the city's been around for, say at the time. Call it 1920s. Well, say about 100 years when it was 1980s, when Armenians started migrating here, right? So you're living here, you're used to one way 
of things. You drive around, you see at the time wh- whatever it was, Albertsons, Ralphs, Lucky's, Hughes. And then within a five to ten per- year period of time, half the grocery stores on Glen Oaks and Glendale have Armenian fonts on it, right? You don't recognize the font. You don't know what, what it is. Okay. So we have to kind of understand it from their perspective as far as the... the yeah, we've had a positive impact, of course, but that it was such a dramatic change in such a short period of time where they had no idea who we are, what we're here to do, what what our intentions are. Just like if right now some new wave of people all of a sudden move here, I think Armenians are going to be like, what the hell's going on in Glendale? We need to, you know, <laughs> figure this thing out. Well, that is happening, so kind that, of. That is, I mean, okay. that, is, that is an issue in every city that has had an immigrant population move in. We are not unique in any shape or form. The you know the the Irish dealt with it. The Italians dealt with it. There you know every um, you know, and I I think that this actually leads me to um, one of the things that made me want to run for council, which is like you know the whole permitting process and the planning department, how the city functions in general. Mm-hmm. But I always tell this story where um, one of my favorite homes is um, the second home. Um, on the right, where you make a, you're going up uh, Pacific mm-hmm. North, make a left on Kenneth, the second home. It had, it was like a colonial style home. Are you so talking about the gun with the wind house? It's a historic home, right on the left. Off. Of no, it's on the right. So when you make a left on Kenneth from Pacific, going north. Um, okay. On the north side, anyway, uh, it's a colonial home. Um, wh- it was white with blue shutters, tire in the front. It's my favorite home. Like it's one of my favorite mm-hmm. homes, but it was my favorite home. And then a couple of years ago, whoever the owner is, or like maybe it's a new owner or whatnot, um, I passed by the house, and it's the shutters are gone, and then it's painted beige. And I had this reaction to it, right? Like, wait, what? Like, you know, because it's my favorite home. Right. And then I had to pause and take a step back and say, Ellen, this is not your home. Like, yeah. right? And so coming from a place where you embrace change and you understand that however much you may have loved something – um, change is inevitable, and as long as and you know, and I looked around the neighborhood. The current house matches the neighborhood; mm-hmm. looks beautiful, right? Yeah. But it's not what I'm used to, and so I think a lot of that conflict also comes from not knowing, right? Like the fear of the unknown, uh, and the more events you have, the more programs you have, and the more time that passes where one community gets to know another mm-hmm. uh, on a human level, you start breaking down those barriers of you know, that fear of, like, who are these people right. that moved in, right, that are kind of changing the city that I'm so used to. And well, so with Glendale's historic department, you're going to go head-to-head to head with them regarding that as far as, like, housing. Because the historic department, certain homes that are located in certain areas, you can't even touch a window. Right. Which so is something that I think, you know, I don't know if you're for it or against it, but I think a lot of these regulations need to be lifted. I think we need to turn into a city like... Sherman Oaks and Studio City are, where there's so much more development going on. All these older homes are being, uh, you know, uh, they're 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 being demoed, and new homes are being built. It, it's refreshing again. I mean, there's homes that are they're like you know, like we said, hundred years old, right? And so here, I mean, here's my position on that, and that's one of the things that I've actually like fought against or for over the years. While I am very much for historic preservation and preserving and keeping our neighborhoods beautiful. 
our entire permitting process at the department for me is to be gutted from the bottom and revamped. The fact that uh, people purchase homes and they have to wait two, three years for, for, for them to actually possibly get the permit and the review, the design review process that it goes through needs, needs a complete overhaul for me. And I'll give you an example. There are some cities that have a structure where each neighborhood um, has like an objective list, an overarching list of what the homes need to look like. And then the only job of the... So anything that's below 500 square feet of renovation goes through a very expedited short process where you have like a month to basically respond and get the permits to yes. the person, right? Um, and then anything that's bigger than 500 square feet uh, would go through a different process, but again, a, a, an objective list based on an, on the neighborhood. And the only thing that the design review board would actually be able Sorry, to comment on... Sorry, is this on, what you're proposing, uh, this or is what this is what the this process is, no, is this now? Is, no, this is what I'm proposing, okay. and because this is, a, this is a process that works yeah. great in other cities, um, where <clears throat> then... The design review board doesn't get to comment on the color of your frame, doesn't get to comment on the color of the door that you want, and then send it back and then delay the process for another two months, three months, five months, or whatnot. As long, their only job is to make sure that whatever renovation that you're doing above that is just fits that objective list. And the staffer that's responsible uh, for that commission, their job is actually to, to keep the design review board members in line versus allowing them to comment on things that they can't comment how on. M- how many applications are submitted to Glendale, for example? I have, I have no you idea. Know, on a- do mean, you happen to know? A lot. I, I don't I know mean, how I many. Know My brother's been in the permit process for over a year now. When and you and say a lot, is it like 200? Is it 50? Is it 2,000? Here's the thing. When, when I go back and I speak to certain staff at, the, at mm-hmm. Building and Safety, they say they're backed up. But... Why are they backed up? Staff, right? There's like, no staffing. If you're making, there the, is if, no if you are making the process difficult, if you are conti- if you are no, giving, no, no, if no, you are, no. hold on, let me, if you're giving one checklist, right, for an innovation project, let's say, for a permitting process. Okay. For me, I envision you give a checklist at mm-hmm. the beginning, say, here are the things you need to do for this, right? What happens right now is you get one checklist, you go back, you get another checklist, and then you get another checklist, and so. When they say they're backed up, for me, it's not. You're actually creating that process of a backup. It's not just that they're short staffed. Okay, when, when I was doing when I was doing the permitting process for my property, which was three years ago, I was I was lucky that I had somebody that I knew in the city. Unfortunately, he's not there anymore. But uh, the process was very easy because he gave me step by step what to do to get everything done right away quickly. It's unfortunate that so, not everybody has that connection. But now that I'm going into the city for certain clientele and for certain people that I know to kind of help them expedite the process, there's nobody there. Nobody's working. Are they working from home or have they been? I don't know if they're working. Well, during COVID, they were. Okay. And you know, so it's, this and I'm sure this you know, isn't, this isn't <clears throat> special to now. Well, and that's I'm, the that's the argument I've been making for years because. Over the last twenty years, the number of residents and small businesses that have reached out to me. You know, like call Ellen. I've always said the system needs to operate and in a way where you don't have to know an Ellen or somebody in the department. You show up to the counter, even if you don't speak the language, you should be able to navigate that process in the same manner if you actually knew 
Elim, right? Like, or, or, let me ask you this. When was the last time you were at Building and Safety? Uh, if it's going to take you that long. Week, no, three weeks. I was trying because I've, oh. I've tried to calculate because I'll, I'll give you an example. Just this last two, two weeks, um, I was trying to figure out where the meetings ha- took place and they took place at the, the place of business because I technically wasn't in yeah. the... But, you know, one one business, for example, had received a five-day notice to close down their um, alfresco um, when they had actually a- applied for a permit um, three years ago that is still being processed. And the city had responded to them saying, well, just close it down and then we'll, you know, you'll open it back up when you get the permit. Like, you can't close down a restaurant for a day. <laughs> That that restaurant is going to, right? And so, um, and then the other one had like an amplified sound situation where they've been trying to get a permit for for months. But like we had staff actually go to the businesses, right? So technically I wasn't in the the department. So I was being very technical. No, (laughs) the only reason why I say it is because when you go out there and you you pull a number or you input your information Mm -hmm. for a ticket, you sit there for <laughs> you sit there for hours and when you look around you see okay what is everybody doing you have people sitting in cubicles doing god knows what you can't even ask them certain questions sir wait your turn wait your turn wait your turn but by, by the time like basically it's i think it's getting it's becoming like the dmv at it, i think it's been so i've i've seen it but it's because of i think it's because of understaffing there's no there's nobody at the counters so you're maybe you're seeing like the lack of individuals there. 100%. I'm just saying like I've seen this issue since back in 2006. I was getting the same phone calls that I'm getting today, so right? Who, and so yeah. for me, there's a structural problem with how we process it. And for me, it's not just a permitting department, right? It's also our e- economic development department and how they deal with small businesses. Um, where you, for me. You, your economic development department shouldn't be a code compliance office where for the first time, if the small business hears from you, is this because there's some code that you broke or you did something wrong? I see it as if you, when you register your business um, on the state level, you get a welcome packet from the city saying, like, thanks for investing your money in Glendale. Here are 10 resources and here are 20 ways we want to connect you with other businesses. That's That for me is an economic development department. Um, our... Overall, our city structure is meant for a town of 50,000 people um, because that's what Glendale used to be when yeah. they formed the, the government structure. Uh, we're now a regional connector city with 200,000-plus residents. You mean um, they haven't and, scaled since? And the, the structures and functions remain the same. It's very similar to the city council, right? So the city council is an at-large city. You have five, five members it's supposed to be a part-time position, which pays you $20-some-thousand a year. Um, so you either have to be retired, have somebody at home that uh, can cover the bills, or ha- find a way that you're able to do this on your own. So that's why a lot of times you actually get folks that are retired that are running for this. And if you do this job right, it's a 24-7 job. Um, but How are you going to do it in that 27000 a year? So I... I have a consulting firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my business. And so it gives me the flexibility to work on things. Uh, it's called the Stark Group, but you know we joke that it should be changed to the uh, Goodwill Group. 
because I do more <laughs> community service stuff than. Um, so I have one client that I've kept for now. It's a nationwide student support services company um, uh, that provides mental health support and after school tutoring uh, and stuff for for students. And so uh, the commitment to that uh, particularly is 15 hours a month. And so it covers yeah. my bills. I'm not money driven. so <laughs> No, because there's, there's quite but a few questions as far as, you know, which I'll kind of summarize. The... The, the trust in politicians to actually fix something doesn't exist today. I, I, I don't know if it's ever existed in my lifetime. I haven't followed, like I mentioned earlier, politics for very long, but I don't remember politicians ever really fixing anything. It's just all about the establishment. And yeah, Glendale City is a, it's a small part of a state and then the nation, but, but what makes you think you're going to be able to go in there and actually fix the uh, the uh, permitting process, or uh, you know, the design board, and so on and so forth. When the, the financing department, when you've got so many people that have been there, even somebody like a Rafi or Artie or Virage or these guys have been yeah, in there forever. Aaron Najarian's been there since Aaron Najarian. Yeah. What what positive changes have these so guys made? Where you think you can do it better yourself, or 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 you can make even any change at all. So I've always been a community organizer, and I plan to take that same spirit to the city council. Um, one of the issues that I do have it right now is the fact that uh, we're one of the very few cities where most of the city council members actually don't even talk about what they voted on, what they proposed, what it, you know. It just their social media accounts are not actual like updating the, the community on on the daily stuff. I've always welcomed the participation of residents. And so for me, um, I'm going to carry that same spirit of like fighting for the things that people want. Um, anybody that knows me knows that I'm a fighter for those things, uh, but I'm also a unifier. So mm -hmm. particularly now, I think it's really, really important for us to have somebody that has the ability to bring diverse groups together. Yeah. Um, but I also think that that tone is set at the top, right? So if I find community outreach and permitting processes an issue, if I find um, that we really need to invest in green space and, you know, below the 134, mm -hmm. this is something that we talk about. I'm huge on green space. I'm huge on arts. Um, we talk about it every every election cycle, but you actually have to invest money in purchasing property. What's and green space? Elaborate like, on that. It'll be like, for example, parks would be green space, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, I bring up Central Avenue as the perfect example of like how not to develop, right? I, I actually walk a lot. I'm one of the very few people that crosses the freeway uh -huh. entrance <laughs> off foot um, from north to south Glendale. And I'll tell you, like, Glendale is not, uh, unless you're up on Kenneth or you're in the downtown area, it's not a walkable city. Yeah. So picture the, the, the buildings on Central. Those, are, those luxury apartments. Right. Yeah. So picture if, and this is something that I actually fought for uh, as they were building them. Okay. If, the, if you actually had patches of green space in between those buildings, Glendale actually has a green ordinance. So when you're building something, the developer is actually forced to... Are you talking about on Central? On Central, right? So it be... Let me... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, 
and they don't have to be large. I'm not talking about large parks. I'm talking about patches of green space with a couple of benches, a couple of lights. Those are the things that actually make a city walkable, and it actually allows people to come outside and actually connect to neighbors. Does does Glendale, Glendale city actually, care about that, so or do they care about the tax dollars? How is that going to re- generate any money for them, the green space? It's a matter of how you develop it. You can also get that from the, your developers. You can have the developer. So the do you think a devel- do you think a developer saying if you go to a developer and you say, hey, listen, we want to build some park spaces. You think a developer, the, f- the first question he's going to ask is, okay, what's, what's my, you know, ROI? Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've, so I'll, I'll, no, no, no. So I'll, I'll and besides, I know that, I know that developers can, I know that they can, because I, I'll give you an example. This USD site transfer project is like the best project that I can like bring up. Um, Glendale Unified School District was doing a land swap for their admin building. Um, and one of the things we pushed for with the developer was to develop uh, a park, which would have been the largest mini park, uh, incorporate affordable housing into the into the housing because we're seeing Wendellians leave Glendale because they can no longer afford to live here, um, and then build three times the amount of parking um, that, that was required by law. Those were things that, like, for example, I particularly placed on the developers, right, like in, in conversation – and when they went, looked at their numbers, came back, they were willing to do all those things. But those are not things that council usually puts in front of the developer saying, hey, you're going to make money. And I'm talking about like large complexes, right? Like you're going to make money for God knows how many years. See, going back to the whole central, uh, as far as central, closing off certain pockets of central to put green space you know and I know, you would, driving from Kenneth to the Americana takes you at least 30 to 40 minutes to find mm-hmm. parking, even, to get into the Americana and park. It's congested. Well, I don't know about 30, 40 minutes. How far from Ken- are you? From, from, <laughs> Kenneth, from Kenneth to Americana, I'll guarantee you this. You leave Kenneth, and I'm talking about on those okay. nights where you want to go have dinner with the family. I'll okay. guarantee you it'll take you 30 minutes to go from Kenneth all the way to the Americana, park, go down, and enter into the Americana. Yes or no? 30 minutes. Easy. Uh, Easy. I don't know about 30. Okay, maybe 20. Okay, 20 to 30 minutes. Now you're talking about closing off certain pockets of Central? No, I'm not talking about closing. I'm not talking about closing off. I'm talking about how you develop a street, right? So in between those buildings. Yes. Instead of concrete, in between those buildings, there's right now there's concrete. Okay. You would put patches of green space Uh with, with some benches, with some lights, it allows people from those buildings and the surrounding area to actually, the public gets to use so it. So on the sidewalk, basically, practically. No, it's no, where the... No, it's, it's between it's buildings, between the buildings, but then, it's, then it's how, how, you, how do you, how do you manage I mean, a, the transient population with, with building so many green spaces for them? We haven't had an issue with that in any of our parks in Glendale. We don't have any homeless? In we, we have very, I think, I think we counted 90, uh, if I'm not mistaken, or 120. Um, that are at, at our at our at our last homeless count, um, you know, there's Glendale doesn't have the same homeless issues that surrounding cities do, and I think it's thanks to both our homeless services department. Like, talk about a department that works great, right? For me, Parks and Recreations mm-hmm. Department, the staff is like their personality is empathetic. Um, they 
even with the with the homeless population, um, we I know for example there's been cases with with folks that they've tried to house for months. These are people that have mental health illnesses, that have trauma, right? And so going through a process of getting them housed is not just like here's the home. Um, they don't trust the government more than <laughs> more than most people and so forth. Yeah. So uh, and so no the the parks actually haven't. In, in Glendale, particularly, they they do not attribute to. It's like saying that hey, don't have parks because you may have unhoused people. Well, no, because typically parks attract homeless, homeless, and then young kids who do drugs and all the other BS. Um, other other types of places attract more. Again, I, I'm all for having more spaces for people to hang out and. You know, uh, to to be able to walk, socialize, and socialize, but 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 the issues. I think first off, the city's always going to look at w- the tax dollars, right. and the developers are always going to look at. Well, if I'm going to give you, say, you know, I'm going to donate five thousand square feet of every development I do. What's in it for me as a developer? If I'm going to donate it to the city so you can have your green space. What's in it for me? So Glendale actually has a green ordinance, okay? So with with each um, new development, you're required to percentage. There needs to be green space. What they have allowed for developers to do is build those green spaces inward instead of outward. Does that make sense? So, for example, those buildings have, for example, a a green space somewhere inside for mm-hmm. the for the for, for, for the people the, occupying the building for, for occupying I think that's a great idea though but you're not creating anything for public use I mean look at how many parks we have look at the American on brand there's so many I mean why take we, away Glendale actually has per population I will email you the numbers after but uh, per our population and particularly in South Glendale uh, we are nowhere near the quota we need to be when it comes to green space. I mean, you look at but you're, how, mean, many, you're how many major parks do we have? We have Brand Park. Right. We have Verdugo Park. Mm-hmm. Where else do we have as far as major parks? Uh, Glen Oaks Canyon. We have, we, have a lot of, we have a lot of green space, you're, a lot where, of parks. Where are, where are all those parks? They're in residential areas. Where people have backyards. What do you mean when people have backyards? Right. Well, so Verdugo like, Park is right in front of GCC. Right. But it's it's still in the area where people have backyards. I'm talking about South Glendale. I'm talking about people below the 134 that live in apartment complexes that don't have pools, that don't have green spaces in, the, in their backyards. They don't... I'm, I, look, I, I live up north, and for me, um, I, I live in a condo, okay. right? So... I'm close enough where I actually, if I wanted to, I, I can walk to, I walk to Brand Park, for example. Okay. Right? You, sh- you should be able to get out of your house with your kids and be able to walk to the nearest green space. Do you not agree with that? As, as a city, do you, do, should you have to get in, the, in your car to be able to go? Yeah, I, I think maybe if you refer to just the park instead of, because green space sounds like safe space and, you know, this whole climate what? And so you're going to throw off a lot of people. No, no, to I'm call it green space is very... <laughs> green space is... I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking about... I want to go to my green space. Be, it's my safe space. My, no. <laughs> my, my safe room. <laughs> yeah. so, it's so, literally... No, so, so call the reason, it a park. So I can't call it a park Why? because a park, when I talk about... When I, when I talk about 
patches of green yeah. space with a couple of benches and, and lights. <laughs> so basically, those are not change, parks. so changing the term for it makes it okay, basically. <laughs> but it's not. That's not a park. A park I, includes <laughs> I mean, other amenities that this, for example, would not. What right? do I have to identify as to be able to use the green space? What do you mean? It's just. It's at, at the end of the day. It's a. It's a park space. That's what it is. It's, it's just you're, call, you're calling it something else. You're calling it something. You're calling well, because it's, it's not a park. I, I get it, but it's it, there's. You see how it's you know, it's so sad. But, but, but you got, it's I mean, so sad that we have to tech like there's a technicality there. We have to change the term in order to basically build something there. No, but of course that's it's what it always is. no. It. I mean, those are. It's literally called. It's always been called the green space, not because it's trying to be. Technical. So is Brand it's, Park a green space? Yes, it actually Brand Park is a green space. All right. Yeah. All right. I just. I don't even know where you came with that. Like, yeah. and, and and I and I think I think that yeah. that's, you know, like is there is because because I because everything is based on you haven't had, so I'll, you I'll, haven't read my hat that's why probably right. I just read it. Yeah, that's why I have to identify something before I could use the green space or the like see, green pad. When you when you say people don't want to go outside and and walk on the street like. My like for uh, for us walking on Brand Boulevard, it's enjoyable. I specifically said it's very enjoyable to walk in North Glendale and downtown. You are literally yes. referring to downtown. Yes, on Brand. So a couple it's, it's, of a so couple you're, of you're, you're talking more about South Glendale. I'm talking. I'm talking about in general how. Are you talking you, about near you, like Acacia? Are you talking about near Palmer? Are I'm, you talking about? I'm talking about anything below the 134 and how we construct the future of our city, right? And mm-hmm. h- how you incorporate the needs of neighborhoods, right? Yeah. So even even when I was referring to three times the amount of parking than required, right? If the developer can't do it. you to go <laughs> <laughs> get out while you still can uh, um, developer. developer yeah if they, you know but th- that's for example that area yeah. there's a huge parking issue so if you're allowing someone to build something then you need to address the community need there well I, I remember years ago there was a proposal to build a park over the 134 right yes w- whatever happened with that idea? Uh, it's too expensive um, it's been placed on hold for the time being. Um, there is, I don't know if you guys have heard of the Vertigo Wash Project? I haven't. No. Okay. So th- that, this one's a really cool project. I'm, I'm very much in support of it, but uh, you know where the where the wash is? Like mm. it comes from like south to the north. So they would basically cap that. You're talking uh, about the LA River? Yeah, the LA River, okay. right? And so they would basically... Near Opeachy and that area. And you would, you would okay. convert that to a uh, recreational, uh, my, uh, biking and walking and yeah, pathways yeah. and whatnot, and it would have, from one, the way that they're looking at it, it would have different uh, entrance points throughout the city. Um, so like constant, like large bridges, basically over, over past. Uh, I don't, I don't know how that that would be built out. That would, that, I mean, they're still in their concept phases. They actually the, had Because the one on Central like was like this massive park that they wanted to build. Yeah, right it's going to be like Central Park, basically, right. basically over the right freeway, in between right. all the high-rise buildings, in a sense. Yeah, but right. but again, anytime you talk about these spaces, people are always going to be concerned about attracting the wrong people to to that space. That's even especially with the river, right? To 
to build it into some type of a jogging or bicycling, whatever type of route, which it technically is right now. It's just not, I mean, there aren't, it's not as green as it should be. Have you seen 7th and Alvarado? That was, that's a jogging area. Around the river? I mean, around the, around, uh, around the lake. lake. <laughs> that's a jogging area. So that's, that, that, that's what that, we're that's afraid That's the of. concern, I think, with, with citizens is always what is that space going to attract and how are you going to manage that? Because um, cause otherwise, yeah, it's, it's, uh, theoretically it sounds great, but, but then it, there's always a concern about you know, drug use and homelessness and all that stuff. I mean, you say there's only 90 homeless in Glendale right now, but we still see quite a few of them. One guy, Arnold, was mentioning around uh, was it uh, near McDonald's on uh, Colorado and did you say Adams or yeah yeah in that area there's several homeless people um, and which area Colorado Colorado yes and Adams. yes yeah. actually there uh, that area actually I'm I'm not sure if they still have it but I know uh, at the very least like a year and a half ago mm-hmm. uh, there was a group of Armenian homeless population that was gathering like they they were like they had become a group that yeah. they had found, found each other and I know that at least a couple of them um, the city got housing for uh, and transitional housing for um, and so homelessness look uh, is I know a huge concern uh, we're not alone in this and I don't think it should be taken lightly um, I, I we have gotten quite a bit of money from the federal government for homeless services. One of the things I want to actually see us do is um, incorporate one-on-one casework with these, with the folks that are still on, on the streets and, not, and don't want to actually take the housing that's available and the help that's available um, because these individuals are not... Uh, you need to go to them like 20 times, 30 times before you can, you can get them to... They've all been through tra- some sort of trauma and mental. Like well, yeah, it's a, it's a you know, mental it's, it's a, a mental a, health issue. That's right. basically so what it for, is. For me, a making sure that we're also having like enough affordable housing because, right, like th- those two things are <laughs> correlated with yeah. each other. See, Al- Alfred, uh, who works at Atelier Asav, he basically he's he's my younger brother. Mm-hmm. He he works in downtown Glendale. Mm-hmm. He mentions, and he's right on Brandon Wilson. He right. mentions there's at least eighty homeless in that pocket. Off of the alley as well. Which, where is this? This is basically off of Wilson and Brand. Right, up, w- right where the... Uh, Wilson and Brand. Right, right behind Artsakh, basically. Artsakh Street. Yeah, right where Americana starts. Basically. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and, and mind you, I, I go to him for haircuts, and I always take the alley to the parking structure on Artsakh, and sorry to say it smells like piss every single time you walk through that alley. I ho- Why? Because, I you know, you have, you have people that basically camp out there, and it's sad, but here's the thing. We haven't seen Are bad you? homeless here yet in Glendale, and we're lucky. Like, we have to thank God we haven't seen the bad homeless right. yet. Because the homeless that we're seeing now are more of just kind of homeless that have been trickling in through certain cities. When we start seeing what we're, what's going on in L.A., that's when stuff is going to get... It's not, it's not just L.A. It's, I mean, it's across the nation, right? Like, I, well, the majority right. of the homelessness crisis is in Los Angeles. I'll tell you this, I did a lot of work in Colorado, and every time I went back, you know, it, I cannot, t- like, it, it almost felt like I was stepping foot into a different Denver um, because of the growing population of, 
unhoused people. What was the so, homeless co- What was the homeless count we had when we talked about? One hundred fifty thousand in California. One sixty to seventy. Yeah. And majority of. Cri- I mean, I know it's a crisis. I'm not. I'm not taking that away. San- and I, I don't know what the solution to that crisis is, right? But I also know that as a city, uh, between ha- making sure that our uh, public safety officers have the resources they need uh, to keep continue keeping us safe and ensuring that we're utilizing the funds that are available for homeless services properly and in a manner that actually gets these people help, aside from the, the housing mm-hmm. part, is, is very important to me. So I don't take it lightly. I don't want kids to be afraid to walk to school. Uh, I don't want uh, mothers to be afraid to walk with their kids, uh, not knowing what's going to happen on the way. That This is a serious issue. There's a reason why Glendale remains to be one of the safest cities in the nation. And for me, we have to continue to implement policies that so allow us to, be, to continue remaining safe. So when they were discussing a couple of years ago about, I, I want to understand where your stance is, and a couple of people had the same question, uh, discussing about defunding the police. Where mm-hmm. was your stance on all that? So when they actually came out with defund the police, I actually posted saying whoever came out with defund the police needs to be fired. I was also the person that uh, joined Black in Glendale, which is a community-based organization of black people that live in Glendale, uh, to organize a candlelight vigil, um, which I'm extremely, extremely proud to have done. Um, and I'll tell you, for me, it hits back to what I actually brought up at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? For um, whether it's been us, you know, creating our own police complaint hotline uh, for our community, um, to working on policy changes to make sure that we have proper representation um, is, I mean, that's how you you change the system, right? But you also, for me, in that same, uh, in my speech during that candlelight vigil, I also called out our police officers for the ones that are great. I'm the person that shows up to city council meetings and thanks our police officers uh, when they have done. And I'll tell you another thing. There was a... There was a march that was happening that wasn't permitted some years ago. And the way that our Glendale Police Department responded to the community marching down that street with hugs and waves and high fives, I'm not kidding you, I started actually kind of crying Mm -hmm. as as I was walking because I knew that had this happened 15 years ago, 20 years ago with the old department, this is not the response that we, our community would have had. And as somebody that has fought for recognition of Artsakh and, uh, and the Armenian genocide recognition and somebody that has demanded proper representation for our community, um, I felt like similar to how we've asked others f- to be allies with us, this is something that is very near and dear to my heart and it's a cause that's very near and dear to my heart. It doesn't mean... Nothing is ever perfect, but you ha- always have an opportunity to fix things. So, uh, how would you? So, how the, so for me, if I may finish the yeah, defunding, I think our police officers and our our firefighters have to have the resources they need to to continue keeping Glendale safe. I also believe in community policing, and I think that 
so one of the things that actually works great with Glendale is because they've actually shifted to community policing some years ago, where your your police department is not just at large, but each each neighborhood has their neighborhood watch. Uh, no, not just neighborhood watch. The police department itself, the captains and the lieutenants and the officers, is neighborhood by neighborhood. So you actually get to know your police officers that are uh, overseeing mm-hmm. your neighborhood. They get to know you. Uh, there's a different interaction, and so. Um, you know, I think all those things are very healthy things. Um, I'm interested to continue learning if there are, if there continues to be issues within our police department. My understanding is that some of our officers are continuing to face some discrimination issues. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but there were many that filed lawsuits against the Glendale Police Department some years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so whatever there is for me... I'll tell you this too. When I launched a police complaint hotline, I'm trying to give you an idea of like how I operate. Yeah. I went and met. I met. I went and met with the chief. I said, "Hey, I keep getting phone calls. Our community knows that you know kids get pulled over, and their cars are sh- searched when they shouldn't be searched. People get ticketed for things that they shouldn't be getting ticketed for. Um, and you know, at the time, it was Randy Adams, who I I don't know if he's still in jail, but he ended up in jail." Um, he went from Glendale to City of Bell. Um, and he said, you know, he obviously denied that there is such an issue, right? And I said, okay, so I'm launching this. I'm not launching it against you. You're claiming that you want the same department that we do, right? I'm going to launch this for a month, a month and a half, and then I'm going to come back to you and say, here are your officers, right? Because there, there is a trend. It's not everybody. And there are amazing officers that keep our community safe. And then there are some that whether it's the structure that doesn't allow for for them to be reprimanded and and dealt with properly. I don't know if you guys remember the Ovasapian case. Ovasapian? No, Ovasapian case. This was a 19-year-old uh, Armenian uh, man who, boy, technically, because 19, um, he was arrested on uh, murder charges. Um, this was... I was at ANC Glendale at the time. And so they took him on murder charges. Um, the, the victim's mother was actually present. Uh, they, um, when they did the lineup, she said, looks like him, but it's not him. He actually had an alibi where he was at Home Depot or one of those, mm-hmm. one of those stores at the time. Um, two Glendale police officers actually arrested him on murder charges. And then you know, created a case. This kid ended up being raped and beaten every day in jail to a point where he was kept in solitary confinement. Um, and then the person that actually committed the murder confessed, uh, confessed to Mark Giragos that, you know, he, he was a client for something else. And so Mark had apparently called the DA's office saying, hey, you got the wrong guy. Um, and then after that... Obviously, the 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 I mean, gentleman. Where, where's attorney-client privilege there? Mark Giragos actually. Did yeah, yeah, because it was yeah, because I mean, it's, yes. So he confessed to Mark, and Mark's um, Mark basically no, no. sold him out. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. I mean, that's attorney-client no, privilege, though. I mean, if he could. No, you, you, you. Did he say like? <laughs> wait a minute. 
Yeah. So okay. All okay. right. All right. You can look up. I, I actually have the depositions. I'm, in I'm my just. I'm just. If he was. Yeah. If, if yeah. he was a client of his and he confessed to something, yeah. technically, it's that's the whole point of going to an attorney. Yeah, it's attorney-client privilege. He was already on. He was. He was caught on another charge. I don't know what the details are. All I know okay. is that so he wasn't. What was his name again? Look up the Obasapian case. Um, and anyway, and so the grand jury, so when he got out, he obviously sued the city. Mm-hmm. There were, um, there was a cap that they never checked. Yeah. There was a bunch of stuff. The grand jury actually found malice in the officers. Okay. This almost never happens. Like they don't find malice. Like they don't make, you know, they don't pay out one and then separately force police officers to, to pay out separately. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Instead of the city admitting that, okay, you know, these officers actually discriminated, actually th- these things happened, they actually appealed the Obasapian case, and then they lost the Obasapian case, and then the city council actually voted to cover the cost that the, the courts had placed on those officers as separate costs from our tax dollars. So, mm-hmm. and so knowing... So I, I want what I'm trying to say with all of this is when you've seen these things in action time right. and again and not, you know, it's not for me, it's not on some foreign land, on, on some foreign people, it's to your own people. I mean, it's what got me involved to begin with, yeah. right? And so for me, you... Who was the candlelight uh, vigil? Vigil for? George Floyd. And yeah. actually, it wasn't just for George Floyd. It was it was for everybody. I mean, who was the main person involved? I mean, who no, I, I no, it wasn't just for George Floyd. It was. What are your thoughts? What, what are your thoughts on George Floyd, though? I mean, I know he I was he, he was he was murdered. Right. He was killed. It right. sucks what happened to him. But as far as it, him, I don't I don't know if I would define it as sucks, but yes. Well, what would, would well, you? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more severe. Than yeah, it's it, it's terrible what happened to him. It was it was horrible what happened to him. But as far as what he was depicted as. You know, by the media. If 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 our community has taken anything away from <laughs> how the media covered the Artsakh war, I'm not talking about. You the know, Artsakh no, war, I, I'm t- I'm talking about it because I'll tell you this. Um, to know that for for me, I I always look at when when things are being uh, portrayed a certain way in media. I always try to look like who who gains who gains from this, right? Like. For me, if you're of all the things that were happening during that time and the way that the media was portraying, and I, again, during my own remarks, uh, I've always been against the looting. I've always been against the violence. For me, those two things are very separate. You can admit that there are systemic problems within government that, that need to be better, right? Uh, without being or con- be without condoning. The violence and the looting that took place at that time, and so. So, so then, how do you, if you say that, but then, why were you supporting BLM if you're against the looting? Because BLM was the because centerfold, I and Antifa was the centerfold of all the I looting across so the country. I, I, I w- don't support. They? I don't support it as the organization. I support the cause. What is the cause? That we need mm-hmm. systemic change. In what? And for for black people, or because that's what BLM is supposed to be, right? Black it's not Lives Matter. Yes. Okay, so you don't think the fact that you put a B before the Lives Matter 
defeats the whole purpose? Why can't are all we, lives matter? All lives matter. Why black we, lives matter? We, we already know that all lives matter, so we're going to no have this doesn't. all lives. Well, no. I mean, go tell that to somebody who's basically a main supporter of BLM. They're not going to say that. Wouldn't you agree? You can, you can say, no, I don't agree. Somebody, have, somebody who's part of a BLM organization, you go up to them and you say, all lives matter. What do you think their response is going to be? I think they do. I mean, they all admit that all lives matter. That that doesn't separate. No, no, the, because the fact be- that there 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 is an issue within, particularly within the black community. They no, because here's the here's the issue. They took a black criminal and turned him into Jesus Christ, basically globally, not just nationwide, and they justified their crimes throughout the country, burning down buildings because. A white cop killed a black guy. W- How about the other thousands of kids that are being killed? None of that. None of that ever gets covered. Nobody talks about any of these things. But, but some guy who was overdosing on fentanyl patch and everything else is killed. Again, I'm not justifying the uh, police officer's actions. But what I'm saying, but it, you are justifying. How am it I justifying when, when it? When you when you begin to portray the victim of the crime, and you're talking about. Um, you're, you're concentrating, for example, on George Floyd. Hadn't he raped the, a woman? So he had raped a woman. He had held a gun to a woman's a pregnant woman's stomach. The guy was a so criminal. He had a very, very dirty record. I think he so, should have so died in what, jail so, instead so, of in the hands so of a why, cop. So my question to you is, why are you not raising, as an example of all the ones that, the woman that was sleeping in her bed? And what? Which 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 one? Which woman was sleeping in? I forgot her name. You know, um, when, when when people like, no, l- let me tell no. you this way. Listen, when when people like George Floyd have a candlelight. Memor- it was for black lives. I know. But when okay. you have a, a, basically a photo of him up there or a painting of a him, mural. a mural of him up there, you know what? It, you know what it is? It kind of, I'm sorry to say, it's like whatever Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, all those, those people, you know, th- you know, they were the ones that were for the civil rights movement. They were actual heroes. They were people that were actually out there to create equality. It 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 basically tells them that hey, listen, you know, this guy's a bigger hero than you, and that's what that was, that's what was depicted. A lot of people said it. What, didn't who was it? I think it was Biden that even mentioned that as well. Something about Martin Luther King, where George Floyd's death was worse than Martin Luther King. It was something like that. It's sad. It's sad, and again. We're Do not you not so I'm I'm gonna refer back to what the the larger issue with with that is, and I'm not referring it to it as like with the Glendale Police Department, right? Uh, we're so talking you think about it's this a is, systemic is, issue? Uh, yes. Okay. I mean and, and I'm and I'm saying this as like sure. this doesn't have to it's be this again, th- sure. this doesn't have to be on us versus you. Of right? course. I'll tell but you where I disagree with you there. Let's let's take Glendale, for example. So we were talking about earlier how, you know, Armenian guys get pulled over in their cars, right? You think that's a systemic issue? It was a systemic no, issue. It, wasn't. it was because Armenian kids drive their dads or uncles eighty thousand dollar car ninety five miles an hour on Glen Oaks. Yeah. They get pulled you're, over. You're, you are you are you what are happened? Wrong? What happened last week you, in on in Burbank? You are literally picking you are talking about that's the what happened last week are, in Burbank? You are talking about you're giving specific examples. It's not specific. Oh, that you got you are picking and choosing specific examples that 
negate a larger issue okay. that there was in our city. Does I mean, it, does it, it still exist? It still exists I'm, now. No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, the way that people were treated when they were pulled over. I'm talking about people being ticketed. Listen, if I was a cop and a kid was, Armenian kid was driving 90 miles an hour on Glen Oaks, I would pull him I'm over not, and I'm treat him like a jackass that, that he is. I'm not talking about the kids that were driving for driving 90, what, 90 how come, miles an hour, okay. John. Like, who would did want, you, who did you would experience want, anything as systematic racism from a cop? I've been here for 35 years, okay? I grew up here. And I've driven exotic cars when I was in my 20s. Flashy, yellow, red, you name it, I've had it. I've never I've been. A Honda, I've course. never <laughs> been pulled over. I've never been pulled over because I was Armenian. I've been pulled over because I sped, but I've never been pulled over, or my car sounded too loud and they pulled me over. I haven't been pulled over like that either. So, okay. and so I don't know. Here. I don't There's know three three Armenians in the room <laughs> who have lived here in the '90s, who've driven in the '90s, who've driven in the can 2000s. You, can you? Can you? Can I? Can I interject here? Go ahead. Okay. Um. What's one commonality that we all have? That we're human Please. beings. No. <laughs> we're not no, animals. No, no. <laughs> no, no. What, what, what's, what's, what's one thing that's in common? Go ahead. Waiting aside from human. To me, that's the only thing we have. Everything else doesn't Come. matter to me. doesn't matter you're a we're man, We're assimilated woman. enough. We're assimilated enough. You don't look a certain part. Ellen John, let me let me th- let me ask you something. And I was thinking about this recently because I was on a family vacation, and I think I brought it up to the guys. We're swimming in a big uh, kiddie pool. It's got slides and everything. A bunch of kids, all different colors and races. And I have never ever in my forty-two years of existence, a kid has never. My own kids have never. I've never heard of a kid ever go to their parent and say. Mama, uh, how come that kid looks like that? Like the color's different, the eyes are different, the this is different, the that. How come kids don't have that in them? Have, do you have kids? I don't. Okay, you have kids. Yeah. Have, has your daughter ever asked you that? I have nephews dad, that I consider my kids. Have they ever asked you why is that that child a different color than me, or the eyes are different, or the nose is different? That, no, and that's the beauty of kids. So, the, so then, what messes them up? Upbringing. Okay. Upbringing. So to, to I mean, can you? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's going somewhere with yeah. it. You know. So th- that's what I want people to understand is that if if somebody this whole racist thing, this so that's why to me the BLMs and to, for us to have this thing for Armenians in Glendale, I don't think none of that is necessary. But we have to all because live you overcame it. it, John. You you overcame it because overcame there were what? you. Your systems became different because of those policy changes that came. Okay, and I'll give you an example. When you ended up having a sensitivity training program, right, that taught your police officers about the Armenian culture, Mm -hmm. for example. So when somebody's going, for example, and getting arrested, and all of a sudden it's, you know, the entire family comes out because it's something that Armenians tend to do. Because that's the first thing you want to do if there's cops there, right? Just everybody get out, threaten <laughs> the cops. <laughs> no, but it's, I mean, it's. Hurry up and call but, Uncle Gur, get out. Yeah, Tell him to but, get down. But no, but it's, it's, it's part of, because in, in the countries that we came from, when somebody got taken, chances were they weren't coming back. This is going like generations, right? So when you have 
police of police force that is reflective of your community, whatever that community is, mm-hmm. right? So in Glendale, I actually, you know, there's a growing Filipino community that's coming in uh, in the in, in the right. BC yeah. recent years, right? Your whether it's your city hall, whether it's your police department, whether it's your fire department, whether it's your school district, when it has a reflective staff that they are able to better connect and understand this isn't that's all new. that's all fine and dandy but here's what's the the issue is that the direction we're all going is we're accepting hiring promoting indoctrinating and in, you know more so rewarding people that are not qualified for where they need to be today if you look at the statistics at even the top Ivy League schools or if you look at companies what they're trying to do is they're trying to push this whole diversity idea. And by doing so, they're hiring people that shouldn't be in the position they're in only because it's a, it's a woman or it's, it's, it's Chinese or Filipino or Armenian so I'm gonna or transgender or whatever the, the, the new trend is. And you can't do that because if you're qualified, automatically you will fall into your place. If you're not, yes, I understand there's discrimination, the prejudice, all that. that you, that's never going to go away. But to focus on that and to try to overextend this whole progressive ideas, you're ruining, I don't you're, see, you're ruining I don't society. See di- I don't see diversity as a progressive idea, number one. Um, that's Unqualified I, diversity that, so, is. So I, um, and again, this is the same... What you literally just said is the same thing that was being said for our community until you change recruitment practices. I don't believe that you hire somebody that's not qualified for the job. As a matter of fact, I think you hire the best, you pay them the best, and then you you hold them accountable for the job that you hired them for. And I'll tell you, as somebody that has been many times the only woman in in the room, and I'll, I'll tell you where the difference is, where... As my positions got, you know, I, I, I got ranked higher up and higher, higher and higher, higher ranked up to you know, the field. And particularly when it, when it came to, like, strategic meetings, even to date, when I'm not the work one organizing the meeting, because it's mostly men, uh, I tend to be the only woman in the room. When I'm organizing the meeting, somehow... There are many more women that are in the room, not because they're not qualified. They're probably more qualified than the men that, you know, in the rooms that I go to. But What rooms are these? These are rooms where policy decisions are made, right? Or where you are trying to figure out a strategy for a campaign, for example, right? Um, Or that you are taking somebody to meet some donors. I'm I'm giving you Mm -hmm. a wide range of... Right? So and what's your conclusion? So why why aren't there more women if the men are inviting? I'm I'm, I'm trying to understand. What do you, you think? You that is? If, if you are inviting who you think you know, right, mm-hmm. or who you have a connection with, it's the same thing for me as like when you look at panels, and these are this is particularly an issue that I've seen within our own community, right, where you have qualified women that can speak about the topic. Okay. Right. And then you see the panel, and the panel is put together, and it's it's all men talking about something that there there may be actually a, not maybe for sure has I've seen many times where there's been a more qualified woman. I mean, are there more are there that. are there more men in politics or more women in politics? 
No, there's definitely more men in politics. I mean, it, it kind right? of it kind of balances itself out at the end of the day. I mean, you'll you'll have but, a certain amount of men, certain amount of women. Uh, when when certain people talk about, you know, women are as mo- as qualified as men, totally agree. If when they talk about you know a woman, a woman could do the job better than a man, absolutely, there there are. But when you look back, you'd say, okay, so why don't they just fire every single man that works for a company? And then basically, and then when they talk about underpaying women as well, and just hire women that are qualified, and they're getting paid less. I mean, it, it just it, it those things kind of don't make sense. I mean, if you're qualified, if you have the connections, you'll you'll make it to wherever you made it. I mean, you're the perfect example of it. Look at where so, you are right now. You're running for city council, aren't you? We have a female city council member, don't we, Paula Devine? How many how many women have we had in the history of our city? I don't know. You tell me. How many have actually ran? Oh, there's there there are women that run every cycle. And are they qualified? Have they been qualified? So, so I I would love I love into the question, mic right I love okay. <laughs> um, How many I women have have ho- ran though? So, just just so to clarify, I employ ninety five percent women at my company. Just so you know. Many, as much as much as you may think, I sound, sound sexist. But I never suggested yeah, um, that. <laughs> I'm just in I, case I anybody I mean, else I, thinks I, I'm I, sexist. Ninety-five percent of my staff are women. I could I could concur. I've been in here. With, <laughs> yeah. when, when Have you the, ever uh, seen a male employee at my house? Just Darson and you. That's it. <laughs> the only males that are here. Everybody else is female. So there's been four four female mayors in the history of the city. Okay. Um, every election cycle. Uh, there are many women that run. As somebody that has ran campaigns for 15 years, 20 years, who has encouraged others to run, who has ran their campaigns, um, I have to tell you, and this isn't like coming from like a place of pity because these are the things that inspire me, um, it's a whole different ballgame running as a woman. Okay, so... So I, h- aren't you elected into office? Yeah, but when you're running, right, like the resources mm-hmm. that you get or the way people treat you or the comments that are made to you. Um, and a lot of it, I'll tell you this, mm-hmm. I think is done on a very, very subconscious level without even, like, they think that they're complimenting you when in reality they're insulting you. And I, I had this issue when I was at the as the executive director of the ANCA Western Region, right? And so it's things like uh, I'm the ED, I'm overseeing 19 states, okay? I, I, I don't sleep at nights. This is my life. This is my work. This is, I, lo- I love what I do. People take me over um, and think they're complimenting me when they're introducing me to somebody else and say, hey, meet our beautiful executive director. And in that moment, you didn't compliment me. You stripped me of everything that I work towards, right? Mm-hmm. Where you, and it, this isn't, you know, I'm not somebody that can't take a compliment, right? But there's a difference where I, you're taking me for my role in a, in a political advocacy role and you just... Summarizing some, it in a physical... physical comp- yeah. By calling you beautiful. Okay. Right. So, and and that this is what I mean that, that I don't... These are, these are things that are done on a very subconscious level for me where you think that you are complimenting somebody. But that right? is a compliment. No, but when so you're, when you are when when I'm when I'm in, I'm in work mode. 
I'm being you are I'm not being taken. I'm not at a wedding at a, or at a at a friend's party. To the mic, right? please. Because they're <laughs> complaining they can barely. Oh, uh, yeah. There you go. See, is this better? There, there you, okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, so, so, so I mean, you, uh, so and, and and I will stop you from commenting on how that would make me feel, um, because you would not know how that would. So, what would you want instead of beautiful? Or meet, meet our executive director. Do you does, do you take around men? Are you introduced as meet our yeah. handsome realtor? Or strapping, <laughs> <laughs> strapping. You got you got to say strapping. So. But but let me let me let me break that down a little bit because so our most recent appointed superior court judge is who? Mm-hmm. Justice Jackson. Why was she? She's qualified. Based on what? She's not a biologist, I'll tell you that much. Based on what? I mean, because because every headline I see is first black woman. I think it's something to be celebrated for people of color, and I think it's something to be celebrated as a woman. I think she... But will you admit that that's the only reason why she's up there right now? No. No? No. I, I you don't would not, think so? No, I, I, I think you go and you... Very much, this is what I mean. You can go and you can seek qualified qualified people mm-hmm. for positions that are reflective of the communities that they serve. So why so couldn't she answer a simple question whether uh, a man... Wh- what was the question they said? A, a, an individual who has a penis, is it a man or a woman? Ma- can you define a woman? Yeah. She yeah, said, no, yeah. I'm not a biologist. So okay. how is she qualified? Yet, she's, yet they depict her as a strong black woman. Because if you look at and, and you're, you're but she can't define what a woman is. And you're you're kind of portraying yourself as somebody that's you know strong on crime, yet if you look at her statistics on crime, she's softer than any other judge in the nation. Okay. Okay. When it comes to pedophilia, rape, all this other crap, you know, uh, murder, robbery, she, burglary, she's softer by at least forty percent if you do a nationwide you? comparison. Where are you getting read, these? I, I could read okay, the stats I, I for would, you if you like. I would love for you to send them. Sure. But okay. so the fact that she can't answer a simple question. and, and I think she answered many questions. The, the simplest question that has never, ever, ever been questioned in history is, is he a man? Are you a woman? Am I a man? And yet that's being questioned today. And sh- she, as one of the Superior Court judges, couldn't answer a simple no, yes, a woman is this and a man a, is this a a being that has eggs and a man has sperm very simple she couldn't answer that yet but but she's in office today because she's a black woman so to say that you felt this you know you felt kind of objectified or that's they refer to you as a beautiful director but that's exactly what we're promoting that's what we're teaching is that as long as you meet this criteria if you're a minority you're you can become you I can don't become think that's anybody. what you're teaching, and I'll tell you why this is important. I've had amazing mentors in my life, um, and for starting from when I was a teenager up to today, mm-hmm. um, and all of, I can say that all of my mentors were male. I haven't had a single female mentor. I've had women I've looked up to from afar, um, but I've also been a mentor to many young women, uh, particularly Armenian-American women and girls. And I know the difference that it makes for you to be physically present in those positions. Mm -hmm. And 
the, the role that each of us play in ensuring that we're creating space for those that want to and that are qualified to be in those spaces are not overshadowed and overlooked. This is something that's very near and dear to my heart because I be, I'll, and I'll tell you this, like, and I, I'll, I'll go back to even younger generations, right, and things that I've I, I would witness, uh, and how things are being brought up um, when we would have interns, um, male, female, in the same same age group, mm-hmm. right. Um, I, the number of times I've pulled out female uh, interns from mm-hmm. a room and said, I need you to go back in there and I need you to voice your opinion. I'm not hearing from you, right? And it's it's not... And, and watching these kids actually, whatever their position is, they, they may have an opinion about something, but watching them kind of grow and bloom where they... Because of, I don't know what household they were brought in, right? Where mm-hmm. the dynamics may be of such course. that each of us, for, these are the things where I talk about where you're physically present and you serve as a mentor. And I take that responsibility seriously when it comes to young girls who now, if I'm speaking even as a candidate, you physically see somebody that that is taking on that role and that physical presence beyond just the mentoring is, I think, very critical, and this isn't this isn't about like men aren't great or like th- this isn't about this yeah. is about creating equal space and creating an environment where because you have passion for something and you have skill set and you want to be in that space, that space is available for you, and it and it's it's equally difficult for either counterpart to be get able to get into that space. And and I'll tell you, even like the campaigns and the campaign staff, staff that I've hired, right? Um, even in places that have gone where it's been mainly male, and then all of a sudden there's like more females coming in. It's not because I chose the females because they were female. They felt more my, comfortable. My, they, yes, and I'll tell you another thing. I've actually had to let go of several male interns because they couldn't respond to a woman boss, right? Like, See, I'm, I'm talking but, about, but, like... But I've had the opposite feedback from... And I've been in business for 20-plus years. Typically, women, especially who are more like have an alpha personality, mm-hmm. they've always... And they, they tend to be usually my marketers because, you know, just regular employees don't necessarily have that alpha personality. But the marketers ten, tend to have that. And you know what? Almost all of them, what they've told me when they've taken the job, is one of the reasons I came to you because I know I'm going to be directly working for a man. I can't, as an alpha woman, I can't work for a woman. I can't work under a female super. That's That's been the feedback I've gotten for 20 years. I think everybody has like leadership style differences, right? And so I've always been very big on you know, being empathetic. And I think empathetic leadership is really, really yeah. important to me. And particularly when you're trying to build a team. Um, one of the things I always talk about is, um, you know, even with, when I had conflict with staff or something that would happen with staff, mm-hmm. I would never actually communicate that over my desk. I had a couch on my, t- uh, yeah. on my, in, my in my office. 
And for me, sitting next to each other, for me, indicated that, hey, I'm here to find a solution. Yeah. And, you know, th- for me, it's about so team it's building. A, it's, and more not in, it's a more intimate conversation. See, as a man, we can't have a <laughs> Watch and sit down next okay. to a okay. g- okay. you can't you can't you can't it's in, it's it's <laughs> gonna it's gonna it's gonna come out wrong let me you are have you, four, are you, you have four minutes because <laughs> i didn't realize we're are you serious yeah, yeah, past yeah. your curfew yeah no but I, i have a meeting i have to get to i didn't realize we're well we have a couple okay. questions i want to get to because i'm already getting text messages because i'm not reading the comments yeah so robert asks he says uh gascon oversees prosecution of crime in glendale Do you support Gascon? I do not support Gascon, actually. Okay. Um, I'm I'm going to try to get through the questions quick. Uh, have the meeting people come here. We'll conduct the meeting here. You can connect to your Bluetooth. <laughs> there, was, uh, there, was, there was another question about the uh, caffeinated and queer. What was that about as far as you supporting the LGBTQ community? And, What about it? And uh, basically bringing and supporting the gay parade in Glendale? The gay pride parade. I don't think there was a gay pride parade in Glendale. Well, there was a mistaken, there was there am, was one I that I they stopped because of COVID. I have I have a, I have always supported our LGBTQ community. Um, I think the job of the government is to ensure that every resident that lives there is safe. Would you be okay with the parade in Glendale? Yeah. Yes. What's what's a gay pride parade? What's wrong with the parade? I mean. I have kids, okay. and I've seen some of these parades take place. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the people that attend these parades dress a certain way, call me a little too conservative, but uh, I don't want my kids asking me, Dad, why is that man dressed as a woman? Or why is that person dressed a certain way? Because, again, I have I have nothing against gay people. We've had gay... We've had gay uh, Guests, Harut and Rosario, Mofsa um, Shakarian, but and we support John, and we support John, uh, but there's so, there's something about uh, the trans community that kind of um, kind of rubs me the wrong way because there's a certain message they're pushing that um, not a big fan of, which is what, which is a boy can be a girl and a girl can be a boy. So, like, if that if that is implemented in today's schools as well, that's a big problem. I mean, what are your thoughts on something like that, where people are out there saying, even though you have a penis, you can be a girl, and even if though you have a vagina, you can be a boy. Which goes I mean, back who, to who kind of Joseph's question too. too. And so I'll 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 leave it to. I'm not familiar Let's with. Start. No, no, no. I allow me to finish. I'm not familiar with what grade that they're offering this information. Uh, I'm not running for school board. Well, this isn't These about this isn't about a school thing is, either. This is so about something that where if they if if they come out and they do major parades like that, that's going to be out there. It's going to be it's so going to be So, I think what you're referring to what I was promoting and I was similar to if you guys actually see my Instagram page, I I always share things that are happening in our city. I share the tenants union meetings. I share the Glendale out meetings. I share the realtors meeting. I share. I literally. I share everything that's happening in our city on it. our Instagram. This is this so, is nothing to so this, this is this, this different was, level. No, this was so. Let me let me similar to how I shared 
that the Tenants Union and the Walk and Bike Glendale are having a meeting. I shared that the Glendale Out, which has been around in, in our city, is having a meeting. And so tell me, tell me what you find issue with your your gay community having a meeting. If you have if you have no issues, if, as you claim you don't, explain to me why you have an issue with with a, a, a group meeting. And not a group meeting. I'm talking about a parade. No, no, you were talking, you specifically, in the beginning. Yeah, somebody, brought, yeah, brought somebody mentioned something about queered so, and caffeinated. That's, so, what that, so that's what that was. That was a meeting. Yes. That was a meeting uh-huh. of Glendale Out. So similar to, like I said, any other meetings with groups. Okay. I shared that Glendale Out is having a meeting. Yeah, that's, so, that's fine. I'm, I, I, brought up the, so, I brought up the parade. Would, okay. you, would you be okay with people going out and about, rainbow flags, dressing a certain way, on Glendale Boulevard, on Brand Boulevard, all, I think if on you, Central Boulevard. if you, this isn't a matter of, if, if a community wanted to hold a parade uh-huh. and they want to pull the permit, this is the United States of America, they would be able to go pull the permit and host their I know, but I'm, I'm, as, I'm, so as, yes, I'm asking I'm you, support, would you, would you support something like that? I'm supportive of our LGBTQ community and anything that has to do LGBTQ with... LGBTQT. I don't know why you have a smirk on your face. Where because as you because say that, because, b- because it's it's again like I said I have nothing against the LGBTQ community. Okay. It's it's that it's I there's there's a certain thing going on and you know it. Armand knows it. Everybody in our group knows it. A lot of people that follow us know it. There is a certain message being pushed in the United States as far as this whole trans community and boys can be girls. Uh, just going back to well, our entire the curriculum I, for I, K through six. What are they trying to teach kids these days? Well, we can't talk about that because she's not running for city for right. for school board. But again, I mean, like, I, I, so yeah. I, I, which is I, why again, we again. need to have Sean back. We should invite Sean back. We should. We before will before he climbs up the executive ladder too far up. And yeah, <clears throat> uh, there Did was you? there was another question from Joseph okay. asking, um, "What is your?" Well, it's a couple of people asked as well. What are your thoughts on uh, what happened recently with that? man that competed in women's swimming and is now considered the national champion. I'm not aware of it, actually. Everybody on the news was talking about it. NCAA champion. He was a, he was a man who swam. Okay. And what was it, Wilson? Yeah. And he, he, was, uh, a, he was biologically a male, and he he's set records and won the NCAA championship in women's swimming. You weren't aware of it? Yeah, actually, honestly, I wasn't. No, I'm not kidding. No, I... I've been nothing but honest on this. No, no, shock. I mean, I'm shocked. Okay, but you... you. I'm shocked. And yeah, see, this is is what women have worked towards all their lives is to be equal, like you mentioned, right? To be equal, to be able to... But then you've got this new progressive ideology that's ruining everything that you think you work for. Because if, if, for example, I can identify as a woman and come compete in your wrestling matches or whatever it is beauty pageants <laughs> well be, who, god for who, who, who won the wasn't it a man that attracted? i don't know was it i know this i know universe thailand last, or something or philippines there was a male universe, there was a male yeah so that that's the thing when everything you work for and it's all it's all taken away because of we want people to feel inclusive i mean i mean what's your opinion do you think there's more than two genders 
I think that people have the right to be who they want to be, and I'm not intimidated or but processed by no. Right. But, but do you, do you understand? I mean, and I think those things are between that person and their doctor. I'm not. I'm not. So it shouldn't be out so and about in a parade, right? Like between doctor and no, I'm talking about the decision to do whatever it is that they they, they choose to do. So. So you're, you're not, so you're I mean, tec- not, so no, technically you're I'm, saying you're you're saying there so is I'm more not, than one I'm gender. Not, I'm two genders, or t- no, I'm sorry, more than two genders. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm literally saying, I'm okay with what people choose to be. It doesn't intimidate me. It doesn't make me afraid. It doesn't. I, it's the same, you know, when people say I don't want to see them on the street. Right, um, there are a lot of people that didn't want to see our people on the street. They didn't want to see us uh, in our own lands, um, and so I, I take issue with that. I mean, I just can't believe so you just compared Armenia's war in Artsakh to. I didn't trend. compare Armenia's war to Artsakh. That's not what I was referring uh, to, but. I mean. Okay. Okay, we'll just leave uh, it at that. Okay. Um, she's on a time crunch. So, anything else before? I gotta I gotta do a quick shout out for Narek. That's why, Narek Tarukian. Oh, okay. Or Tarukian. Sorry. Uh, so uh, before we end the show, Ellen, thank you so much for taking thank time you out of your Monday. Me. I hope you weren't I, conversation. It's all. It's all I'm, listen. I'm all about conversation. Yeah, it's all. So it's, that's basically I what think, it is. I think we we get to a better place when we talk, and hopefully, and hopefully we also learn from each other. Yeah. So, but uh, guys, uh, Narek. Uh, Saturian, uh, a follower of ours, is actually holding a uh, a fundraiser. We're going to be including information in our in th- in the body of this podcast on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio, all those major platforms. What they're doing is they're basically raising money for the people in Artsakh for food, for water, uh, people that are displaced who are beca- basically become homeless. Uh, every penny counts. Every dollar counts. Any anything you guys could donate. Uh, would be grateful. Uh, I'll, I'll send everybody the, I'll, well, I'll post the information on the body, but if you guys want the GoFundMe or uh, the Venmo information, just DM us directly on the Wise Nuts and we'll send it over to you. Uh, other than that, um, today's episode will be on all major platforms. Manana, have a great week. Have a great weekend and we'll see you next week. <laughs>